When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! <laughs> Welcome to Knife Talk, another holiday season episode. So in today's episode, we have myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and I'm joined by the awesome Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, who is not only one year older, he's one year and one day older. Mm. Very fucking yeah. old. Yeah, fine. Fine. <laughs> How's fine. your head, Jeff? How's your head? I, I mean, you were out last night feel, for your birthday. I feel fine. I, I don't go hard in the paint. I'm, I... Uh... You know, we had a nice little party, and uh, my wife threw me a nice little party and at a bar, which is good because it's not at our house. And then around 10 o'clock, I was like, let's get the fuck out of here. It's enough already. Sensible. So, a sensible uh, party. Yeah, birth- birthdays, honestly. I mean, let's let's be honest. When you get to a certain age, it's like, what are you fucking celebrating? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not much of an achievement, by the way. A day closer I mean, to death. Well, that's regardless. I mean, you're being celebrated for what? Plopping out of your mother? I mean, it's just like... <laughs> I mean, seriously, Jesus. it's like, come on. It's like if you go into a race and they give you a medal, will you celebrate the medal? Yeah. You true. did all the fucking hard work. Like yeah. My mother gave it to me. Like, yeah, I give it my mother a round of applause. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. It's not, it's fine. So what else you been up to this week then, apart from growing older? <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it was a strange week, actually. I, uh, I finished a, a, just a ton of like big deadline stuff and, um, which was great. And then I organized my time. I, you know, I talk about this on the podcast. I talked about this in the last episode, how like, I'm very, very like, uh, I'm, I'm diligent in regards to, uh, discipline, like what I'm doing today, what I'm doing in the afternoon, what I'm doing hour by hour. Yeah. So I was planning on, on, on saving all the fun work for Friday. Like I wanted to do some forging and I forged some spoons and then I'm teaching a friction folder class down at doghouse forge in February. And I wanted to like kind of iron out a little bit of details. So I prepped my week so I could have Friday free. So on Thursday, uh, on Wednesday, I I got some glue, uh, two part epoxy from a friend of mine. 
and he said, I give this stuff a try, you know, see what you think. So I mixed it up, I did the colors, and I put them all together, and I thought, okay, great, it's going to have a nice, you know, 24 hours to, to cure. Next morning, I'm going to just sharpen a couple knives to pack up, and then the afternoon, I'm going to carve these knives, and then my Friday is free. Yeah. When I came in the next morning, the fucking stuff wasn't set. And uh-huh. I was like, and I was really like, it, it and and um, it threw me for a loop actually because I was like, I had already made my plan that after lunch I was gonna finish those up, and I was like, and it totally screwed up my whole thing because I was like, what well, now? What am I gonna do? So I ended up taking them to my house, and I kind of let them. I looked at the ingredients, and I wasn't really looking ingredients, and I didn't realize that you really needed to be in a warmer situation. Well, so, yes, yes, yeah. and it, that brings me to something that I've been doing this week, actually. So, oh, you don't say. Well, a lovely little cut through there, Jeff, lovely. I'm with you. Look, segues are my, ba- are my bag. <laughs> so, um, the last, uh, I'd probably say about a month ago, I sent out the first ad- ad issue, if you like, of the Sustainable Knife Project uh, newsletter. The whole idea is I want to just be more aware of the impact of what I'm making and all the rest of it. So I put out these newsletters every few weeks or so. And in the second moment, that just went out on Saturday, just just yesterday, um, I talked about um, epoxy because I've seen, I saw yours and I've seen a few other people as well talking about their epoxy, not setting right. And right. and the reason it is, it's down to the weather. It's down yeah. to the coldness. Um and, it, you know, it's something that I've been aware of myself. You know, I've, I've had a few clues. I always leave a bit in the pot if I can and just make sure that, you know, just, you know, cures and sets. Um, so what I did, I, I spoke to a, a couple of manufacturers of epoxies and said, well, look, you know, why is this happening? Is it down to the temperature? What's the ideal temperature and all the rest of it? I spoke to three different manufacturers on the phone and they all said exactly the same thing. So it's all about your storage. So how you store them before they're mixed, the pre-mix storage. And the ideal temperature for that is 25 degrees C, which is sort of 77 Fahrenheit. Yeah. So, I mean, the bad thing is we have no control of, you know, it's probably been in a warehouse for, you know, a couple of weeks before we get hold of it. We've got no control over that. But once we've got it, what we can do is treat it well. Because that way we're not getting any waste and we know we're getting the best product. It's going to have the best sort of bonding efficiency. So it's all about that that pre-mix storage. I say run about 25, uh, 77. Um, and then when you actually do mix it and you do your glue-ups, again, it needs to be held at that temperature until it fully cures. Once it's fully cured, um, the, the, the temperature ranges change for, for each type of epoxy. But generally from freezing to sort of 60 degrees C, you're going to be good. So once it's cured, you're fully good. But until it has, you really need to try and hold that ideal temperature of 25. So being a bit of a geek, what I did, I made a chamber for to hold all of my resins because I've got a, a number of different resins that I keep, some for casting, uh, you know, some just for epoxies for glue-ups and so on. Right. Um, and rather than these spoil or not be as efficient as they should be, I thought, let, let's get a chamber. So... Get to your local refuse tip or your recycling centre um, and pick yourself up an old fridge. It doesn't have to work. All, all you need is a good seal on the door. Just get yourself an old fridge. It's going to be free. Stick it in the car, get it back to the shop. Then I got one of those tubular heaters. Um, you'd normally see them in greenhouses. Really, really cheap um, electric heaters. Um, and they take very little power because it's, it's, it's just you know a very little bit of heat that they give off. So... Install that inside the fridge 
and then get some sort of thermostat system. So I've been looking over the last few days just ready for this email that went out. And the cheapest that I can find is something called Inkbird. So a lot of brewers use it for their sort of brewing uh, vessels, that kind of thing. Um, run about $15, really cheap. And what you can do then, you can set your temperature. So 25 degrees C or 77 F if you're in the US. And, and it'll turn obviously the heater on and off and hold that chamber to the ideal temperature. Huh. So, you can, so you can stick all your stuff in there. You know it's always going to be good to go. You know it's going to be, you know, the perfect consistency, you know, in regard to the viscosity, rather, for the for the liquid. It's always going to be perfect. And it also doubles up as a really good chamber for uh, your wood. So if you're huh. cut, cutting up any wood for handle scales, that kind of thing, leave it in there because you know it's going to stay dry. It's also obviously dust-free as well, especially if you've got a dusty shop. It's going to stay dry. Um, it's going to be dust-free. Yeah, glues are all set. And it's just a really nice way to store things away. Um, and then in my case as well, having children around, you know, they can't get to these chemicals either because they're up high on a shelf within this fridge. It, it, right. it just makes – and it's cheap. We're talking less than $50 to make this chamber that, you know, you're not going to waste your your epoxies. But the main thing is you know that they're always going to be good to go, that are going to give you the best possible chance of holding. Huh. That's interesting. You know, I used to do when I had uh when I had a smaller shop, I was in the basement and the, hmm. uh, you know, the epoxy usually it's usually the the uh the resin is a little bit harder than the the hardener. Hmm. I think that's right. The clear one, the clear one. How you like that? And I used to take uh some just a uh when I was getting ready to pour it, I would just get like a uh, pint uh, or like a quart container and I'd fill it with warm water. Hmm. And that always, and then I would just like let it sit in there for a while, and then it would just kind of like re- loosen relax. up a bit. Yeah. Now, but no, just out of curiosity, the coldness doesn't affect the epoxy; it just slows the curing time, right? Well, it slows the curing time, but then the when doesn't it, degrade it. Well, I don't know. According to the manufacturers, they're saying that the best the best bonding adhesion you're going to have is if it if it cures at this temperature. Hmm. So you're going to get a natural heat up anyway, because when you mix your, your hardener and, and the actual epoxy, um, it will naturally heat up anyway because of hmm. the way the chemicals are working together. Um, but I think, yeah, I think stick it within that range of, I mean, the idea was sort of between 18 and I think 32. So 25 is a good sort of sweet spot, huh. degrees Celsius. That That's what they recommend. And they say anything above, they can't really guarantee that the bonding is going to work as well as it should. Right. Probably because if it's super, super thick, you're not uh, mixing them together as viciously as you viciously. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. You're not getting that vicious. That's always one of the reasons why I like uh, dyes, because if you put dye in and if the dye is, if everything is, you know, congealed you can die i'll tell you you know you'll you will tell if if you got it all squared away well that's interesting i i try to look up that tubular heater in the united states i don't think anybody has any greenhouses i don't think this is a greenhouse (laughs) nation so i uh i uh i have to i'll have to dig a little deeper in regards to that but uh yeah just any sort of low low wattage um heater you could use a cooler right you could just probably you could just probably get like a styrofoam cooler and do the same thing i'd imagine Possibly, yeah, possibly, but you know, you might as well get a, a fridge. It'll be free from your recycling center, and I say you can put your wood in as well, which yeah. all good. 
There you go. Look at you. Look at you. I like that. I like that you're doing this newsletter. I think it's really uh, super helpful. Yeah, well, I get lots of good tips from people as well. So the whole point of it is I can put this stuff out there and hopefully people will make you know these small changes. So another thing in this week's um, issue is about uh, lighting for the shop. So I've just changed all mine to LED because I had huh. the old fluorescent ones before. And it's like a 300% difference in the power that I'm using. I'm also getting much, much better light. It's a natural light, so it's like a daylight color as opposed to that yellowy horrible fluorescent stuff it doesn't flicker it doesn't give me headaches it's right so all these little things and they all mount up you know if everybody were to do these little things the amount of power saved would be would be incredible so so yeah, i do this and i put these out because i'm learning as well people are sending me tips um and it just yeah it just seems to work people seem to be enjoying them anyway so that's good well are there any t- has anyone given you any tips on how the hell to get out of london Oh, jeez. What is going on? You're like stuck don't. in you're stuck in London? What's going on? Stranded. So um I had a meeting here in London um on Friday. So I booked my flight from France on Thursday. So Wednesday afternoon I'm out shopping with, with my wife, um and I get an email come through saying your flight has been cancelled for tomorrow. I'm like, Oh shit. Shit. I I need to get to London. I you know, I, it's quite an important meeting. I had to go. So this was sort of 3 p.m. on Wednesday, and I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get... Because there's a strike in in France. They love a strike in France, and it is an <laughs> airstrike, and oh, it's terrible. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So the driving was out of the question because the ferry ports um, were striking too, so I couldn't then drive and get on a ferry. Um, so the only way to do it was via a bus, so this was a 17-hour bus. No, and no, no, you didn't, no, you didn't take a 17-hour bus to I did, London. but it literally left oh. in, three, in three hours. So I'm like, oh. Jesus, so I'm not ready. I'm meant to be going tomorrow oh. by plane, but I can get a bus in three hours. So I'm like, oh, geez, let's do this. Get my stuff together, get to the bus station, freeze it, freeze it. It's late at night. It's freezing cold. So I'm, I'm on this bus. Um, there's a four-hour layover in Paris bus station. And oh. this this is Paris Paris bus station at four a.m. Freezing oh. cold. It's There's not the some... kind of place where you want to step out of the bus station because it's this park and it's just well. You They're know. gonna have some. You're gonna have some good specimens of humanity at four o'clock oh. in the morning at a Paris bus station. My oh. God! Yeah, my Mon God! Dieu. Hey, Craig. I guess, I it was wanna, terrible. So there's, there's, there's all these, there's all these guys like, like rapping and stuff, rapping in French in the bus station. <laughs> They're all smoking gonna, God knows what. So I'm just cowering in the corner of this bus station for four oh, hours. Oh, jeez. Did, did you stay on the bus or did you like look oh, for no, a... Oh, no. It, it was a change of buses. So I had to just oh. literally sit outside, freezing cold. Um, it, it wasn't a nice experience. Anyway, so I get into London. Um, I had my meeting on Friday and, you know, everything went went quite well. So then I'm supposed to fly back Saturday morning. So then Friday night, I get another email from the airline. Your flight has been cancelled. Oh, like, no. Oh, what is going on? What, what what are they striking about? Oh, they, they'll strike if the weather's not in their liking. They're, they're unbelievable, the French for striking. Wow. It's a, a natural pastime. They love it. It's a sport for them. But... um. So, yeah, so I'm still in London. So I've had to, you know, negotiate a deal with a hotel because, you know, it's expensive. Central London hotels are bloody expensive. So what should have been a two-day trip, I'm now on my, well, tomorrow will be day five. Oh, my and I'm God. And hope, I'm hoping my flight tomorrow is uh, 
is is going ahead. I and you refuse any- to jump back on that bus to fucking to fucking Paris. Well, to to be honest, if if it is cancelled my flight, I think I'm going to have to do another bus. And I'm, oh my I'm just god, dreading it, dreading it. But I need to be back. I've got work to do, and I've got you know my wife's there alone with the twins. There's I need to be back. So as much as you know, I'm in a nice hotel with a nice gym and swim pool and good food. It's yeah. nice to have the break, but geez, I need to be back. That's bananas. Yep. So somebody sent somebody sent somebody sent me a message saying, well, "What's going on with Craig? What, what's going on with Craig?" I said, "I guess he's stranded somewhere." <laughs> and they said, and they said, and they said, they said to me, "I think it was Jonathan Porter." He says, "Is, is he okay?" And I said, oh, "He's taking fucking selfies. How bad can it get? It's not like he's you know <laughs> he's taking selfies of himself. It can't be that bad." I'm in a beautiful hotel. You know, I'm, I'm not complaining yeah. as such. You know, it's not a hardship, but it's well, just but I've, I mean, got, yeah, I've got stuff to enough. be doing. I've got stuff oh, to be doing. I need to be home. Enough. God, you can't take a train, or trains are too expensive. Um, trains, no, that that part of the strike. It's it's part of the transport network. It's all so so so. These fucking guys are like holding the whole country hostage. Exactly, exactly. Oh, and, and another thing, right? Another thing is, so I get to London uh, and I'm at uh, Victoria Station. I need to get a a train out to my hotel. This is after 17 hours on a bus. It actually stretched to about 20 hours in the end anyway. But I'm I'm there on the platform. And here in London, and that train gets cancelled. By, by an English strike. And I'm just like, what an the English hell strike? is going on? Uh, How does, that's a, what did you do for 17 hours on a bus? Oh, man, just watched a lot of TV on my phone and tried oh to sleep. God. Do you know when you're trying to sleep and your neck is sort of spasming and you wake yourself up and, oh. And you got to take a leak every five minutes. Oh. The worst, the worst. And you have to have a sh- and you have to poop on that bus. Oh, oh God. no! Oh no! No, no! Put a cork in. Are it. you held on no for way. seventeen hours? Pinch Are you right held up. on for no seventeen way. hours? <laughs> no way am I going in that toilet. Jesus! Holy Jesus. Christ! You must be up to your back teeth. Yeah. You're telling me you didn't poop on that toilet? Definitely not. Definitely. Not. I would. The move would have been to be the first guy to poop on the toilet, like right <laughs> off the chute. Don't be the last guy. Be the oh. first guy. Oh, jeez, no. But it's it's been. The meeting went very well, by the way. Um, better, better have. Jesus I had Christ! Some of the best food I've had in a long, long time. So, wow. But a, a bit of a hero of mine, Adam Handlin. He owns a bunch of restaurants here in London. He's got a bunch of Michelin stars. You know, he's the man. He's really young. He's really creative. Uh, but he set up this new restaurant called Ugly Butterfly, and what they do is it's all about waste and sustainability. So um, I didn't realize that 70% of the food that restaurants buy in gets wasted, completely wasted. So his thing is, he's got these, I think he's got four other restaurants in London. What he does, he'll take the waste and and he'll take it to Ugly Butterfly, which is the new restaurant. And 100% of the food served there is, is waste food from his other restaurants. But it's it's high end stuff. This isn't you know scrapings off a plate. This this is this is high end stuff. <laughs> yeah. And even the so basically it's 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 the waste food from his other restaurants and champagne. That's all they serve. So the champagnes are basically very high end champagnes, sort of three four hundred pounds a bottle. Um, what he does in his other restaurants, they don't give you the bottle. If you if you order a bottle, they'll keep it in their fridges and they'll keep coming out and topping you up as as and when you need it. Um, so a lot of people leave, and they've still got a lot left in their bottles. And these are sort of three, four hundred pound bottles of champagne. So what they do is they seal them back up, take them to Ugly Butterfly, and they sell them by the glass. So you get you get to taste this four hundred pound champagne by the glass for sort of seven or eight pounds a glass, which huh. is incredible. 
incredible. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it, obviously. Um, and, and it's pretty much the same with the food. So, for example, I had the... I was a complete pig. I, I went for everything. Um, but that, the, that that you better hurry up because that fucking bus you, that you're gonna be you're gonna be making it for that. You're gonna be locked <laughs> up. You're gonna be so locked up. You better watch out, man. You're gonna be, you better get on that bus. I can talk about food forever. Fuck knives. Let's just talk about food. Why? <laughs> I just I, I, I just know that I just know that if you get on that 17 hour bus ride. All this food talk is going to go thrown away, and you're going to have to make it. You have to make it happen in that little tot toilet. Ugh, oh, jeez. Go ahead. All right. So yeah, let's see what you ate. Let's hear what you ate. Oh, so what did I eat? So I had the uh, the cheese board donuts, which is um, one of Adam Handlin's sort of signature dishes. So it's uh-huh. a bunch of different cheeses which they use to make a donut, and they put this pecorino on top, and so and just be- like finger food, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Then went for the um, the lobster shell soup. So where they serve lobsters and into the restaurants, they yeah, just keep all yeah. the trimmings and, and they make this soup and it's just fantastic. Then a Wagyu beef cottage pie with bone marrow, which was just like oh, incredible. Wow. But, but then the dessert was, um, it was a salted caramel tart, but made with pork fat. So they keep all the pork fat from the other restaurants. Jeez. And this just gives this sort of butteriness to this to the caramel, so it's not too sweet. Oh, incredible, incredible! There you go. So yeah, oh, a meal of waste, and it was absolutely beautiful. That's uh, Dan Barber, in the United States of uh, Stone Barns Blue Hill, does that. He actually he was doing like I guess pickle makers cut off the ends of the pickles, and he was getting mm. all the pickle ends and making these like salads with these kind of pickle ends and. I I, lo- I think it's a really important. I think guys like him and and uh, Jose Andres and these people who are trying to figure out better ways to feed the the world. I I think it's a I think it's a very clever. I I hope that it's not a trend because you know ultimately you know ugly butterflies got to pay the bills and if people don't come in for their fucking you know they're, yeah. they're not they, if, if if all of a sudden people aren't coming in for their you know half swill champagne and like uh you know lobster crunch soup they they gotta, they gotta figure something out yeah yeah but no i i think you know he's in it for real this this for them this isn't just you know just a fad i mean all the staff that were there they were all incredibly knowledgeable about, about where yeah. the food has come from and how it's been prepared it was it was just a, a great experience so i'm sure it'll be a regular next time in london but yeah it's um, yeah. good sounds great i mean except for your i mean except for all the the transportation it sounds great <laughs> yeah oh yes let's talk uh, news shall we talk about um knives for a change all right this is uh this is ktp news and this is where we uh you know tell you what's going on in the world and uh you know Knife news and all that. Um, I guess uh, you want to talk. Take that first part. Yeah, so it's some sort of community news. So, um, probably about eight nine months ago, uh, somebody mentioned that they were going to start a a community knife. So listeners of the show were making a knife between them. So a bunch of them got together, and somebody done the grinding, somebody done the profile, somebody done the heat treating, and and this knife has really come together. And I think it's nearly finished. So Bob Rankin has, has reached out and asked me to ask. Anybody who's had any hand in making the knife at all, please send the artwork for your maker's mark to him. So that Bob, oh, Rank- cool. I think I think he's Bob Rankin knives on um, Instagram. Everybody knows Bob, so yeah. send him your maker's mark, and he's going to get the everybody's maker's mark lasered onto the blade. 
Um, and I think then it's pretty much finished. So I think there's going to be an auction and I think we're going to get involved in that if we can. Um, just to get in front of as many people as possible because then yeah. they've got two charities that they're helping with this knife. Um, so, yeah, so if you've had any part in making this knife at all, send a message to Bob. He wants your maker's mark, um, and hopefully we should see a finished knife very, very soon. That's very cool. Very cool. Mm. There we go. Uh, I don't have the calendar in front of me, uh, but I think there's some shit going on in in, in Italy, <laughs> and there's some shit going on in Prague. So there you have it. There's what's going on for the month of December. There's some bullshit happening all over the place. There's your calendar. Um, uh, if you want, and I, I talked about this on the last episode, uh, there's all the schools now have their new course curriculum. I know the New England School of Metalwork has... Uh, their new course curriculum, and so does the Center for Metal Arts. Uh, it's definitely worth it. You know, in other schools too, um, uh, Adirondack School of Metalworks. I think it's Adirondack School, not 100 of craft or something like that. And then uh, oh, look, I didn't, I wasn't really prepared to do a whole school thing, but it's a, the funny thing is, is last week I made a, uh, I made a, I was trying to figure out a way to talk about schools that didn't, you know, the schools don't. The schools don't call us and say, hey, can you talk about it? I, I just yeah. feel like it's, you know, we do so much in terms of, like, tips, and we talk about, you know, YouTube videos that I think it's important to kind of, like, show you that there are places uh, that are, you know, teaching classes going to help propel you. And the funny thing is, is uh, so I did this whole thing, basically make this joke saying, yeah, hey, stop watching YouTube videos and, you know, <laughs> get busy with the woman, the person that you love. And, 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 and Nick Wheeler, who is the king of the, I mean, if you... I, if you're gonna watch a YouTube video, and if it if it if if Nick Wheeler isn't involved, you're making a mistake. Like I, I was basically trying to make a whole joke. So he made a point about you know he made a joke. He was listening. He's like, yeah, you know, while Jeff wants you to hide the salami with the woman person you love, Avi, here's a video, and he he was very funny, and uh, he sent me a real nice message, and he was saying that how great it is to t you know the how lucky and how uh, what a life changing experience for as a knife maker to take a class with Nick Ross or something like that, and then I actually have uh, Ashley Childs is going to come come down here. I'm recording an episode with Ashley Childs. And she just spent uh, a few days at the New England School of Metalwork. I'm going to hear more about what her experience, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but that, you know, that's really, that's really, uh, I just wanted to make it a point that, fine, go, you know, watch YouTube videos, but it's good to do schools too, so. Yeah. You know, and talking about Nick, when I used to do this show, when I used to do this sort of the standard interviews, I'd always ask people for, you know, who were they inspired by and so on. Every single time, yeah. Nick Wheeler's name, to the point where I had a little buzzer, and right. it was like the Nick Wheeler alarm. Right. Every time his name was mentioned, it would come up. Um, and I think just this weekend, I think Mareko's going to visit Nick, and we're hoping we're going to get an interview um, recorded, because it's something that I've tried to do for so long, but Nick's yeah. just very, very busy yeah. um, with his with his sort of full-time job as well as his knife making. Uh, so hopefully that's that's happening this weekend too. So we've got some nice interviews coming up, which would be lovely. yeah, yeah. We're 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 working on some good content while while we're still under construction. Yeah, and hats off to Jeff last week for taking on the show all by himself. Yeah. Hour and twenty minutes of talking to yourself is it's incredible. It, it's incredible. It was, ex so it was well exhausting. Done. It was like there was there was so much preparation. You know, I, I've said this before. I'm a I'm a radio and broadcasting nerd. I love listening to radio and broadcasting and 
I just I before I did this and before you reached out to, to have me on uh, in Knife Talk, I was going to do the full blast podcast, and I was preparing myself to figure out a way to do it and, and it was there was a lot of preparation and I appreciate it. everyone sent me real nice messages it was a lot of fun um it was it was exhausting there were some moments where I was like all right somebody can chop it Rick can drop it and I realized there wasn't gonna be any editing so I had no <laughs> chance to like you know no breaks there were no breaks so it was yeah it was one take no breaks yeah, there was no editing take. whatsoever there yes there was some editing whatsoever you put the sounders <laughs> in and then you threw up you threw in this juicy fart which i was like i was like i did all this hard work and he throws in craig threw in a juicy fart it was annoying uh, i was like funny 12 it was year definitely old boy i was <laughs> i was like i was like that's all he's gonna do all this editing you know all you to throw in a juicy fart fine <laughs> But no, seriously, it was very entertaining. Thank um, you. Again, I, I I love listening to the show when I've had nothing to do with it because I learned so much as well. It, it was it was brilliant. How you did it on your own, I don't know because I no way in the world could I talk for that. Well, I had to do. There was a lot. I don't want to get into it too much, but I did a lot of you know organizing segues, and I reached out to a lot of people and to give me some information. You know, the Dick Tong thing was like getting dick tongs and then getting a fresh joke from Uri Hoffy. That was like, <laughs> that was perfect. And, and hats off to John Ariani for dick tongs. That was a lot of fun. And uh, hashtag dick tongs. And box tongs apparently now. No, 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 no. Look, it, we're not doing that because here's the problem. Box tongs exist. I got to talk. Ah, to yes, you. yes. There, there, there are, a, there are a set of, there are a set of tongs called box tongs. So we can't do that. I'm not really, you know, I, look, just everybody just cool your jets. Let's leave it to dick tongs. I, there's no need to be creative. L- listeners, be the listeners. Just listen. I've gotten a lot of funny, weird, and, you know, slightly grotesque things sent. And my response is just leave it alone. Just listen, enjoy, and you don't need to contribute. Thank you. So what have we got in the news this week? Any sort of lighter news this week, Jeff? Well, this is light, but it's not it's not super light. I mean, it's 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 something I wanted to talk about since Thanksgiving because it's so it's bad and weird at the same time. So there was a London Bridge attack and um there was a terrorist who had I guess he was just he got a knife and he was just stabbing people on the London Bridge. Um and there was a restaurant. Uh, so I'll, I'll read. I'll read the story. I'll read the story. So Polish national went after London Bridge attacker with a 1.5 meter whale tusk. Um, <laughs> a whale, a fucking Norwal tusk. Poland said it'll award its highest medal for sacrifice and courage uh, to a Polish national who played a key role in preventing the London Bridge attack from escalating farther. A uh, spokesman for the country minister said on Twitter he would uh, uh, request a brave, uh, Brit- uh, British media reports uh, Lucas, who works as a chef, snatched a five-foot Norwal tusk from the wall of Fishmonger's Hall on Friday uh, during Friday's sta- uh, stabbing attack. Um, a colleague told the New York uh, the Times, Lucas grabbed this nearby pole and ran at him, getting stabbed in the hand in the process, but continued to pin him down. Uh, being stabbed didn't stop him from taking it, from giving a good beating. Lucas is a hero. So he was, he fucking, this dude, there was, uh, I mean, it's, it's a crazy story because obviously, you know, knife attacks are 
you know, we talk about knife talk in a very funzy way. Look, I was we were talking about like Craig having to have a shit on a bus. And we're we're not going. <laughs> we're, you know, we're not. You know, we're not. You know, we're not going to like. We don't do a lot of vicious stuff. But you know, obviously, knives are used as weapons, and you know, mm. blah blah blah. But this guy, he. The, so the terrorist is on the bridge. He's stabbing people, and this chef is like, "I'm gonna fucking do something." So what am I gonna grab? Now I did a little bit of research on Norwal tusks. They're not cheap. Like a five foot Norwal tusk is probably between ten thousand and thirty thousand dollars. That's Somewhere, London prices for you. See, that's that's well, what I'm up against. I mean, the, I mean, it's like it's like it's as if he's like, I got to do something. I have all these pots and pans. Maybe I better grab the most expensive thing on the wall. He grabbed the fucking Norwal tusk, and another guy grabbed a, a fire extinguisher, and they yeah. fucked this guy up. A Norwal tusk. Who has a Norwal tusk? I mean, it's the craziest thing. When I was reading, when I was first reading the article, I was like, what did he have it in his car? Was he on the bridge and he used his car and he hopped out with the fucking tusk? No, he grabbed it off the wall. And he's like, I'm going to spear this motherfucker. Crazy. Crazy! A fucking Norwal tusk! And I'm sure the owner of the place was just like, oh, don't grab that! Oh, Jesus! That's a, don't break it off! Don't break it off! And then, the, you know, that's $10,000, $15,000 porn. So Craziness. Knife, so knife, we're, not, uh, we're not making light of what happened, but what... what <laughs> oh, I'm making light of it. The response to what happened is hilarious. I'm, make, I'm making light of it. I mean, he could have... Look... God bless him. I don't know if I could... I don't know. I mean, I, I look around my shop right now, and I wonder what I would grab. He did a smart move, because using that Norwal tusk keeps the dude at bay. Like, he didn't grab a pan and, you know, slap him in the face. He grabbed something that he could fucking get him from a distance. Hmm. Yeah. Norwal horn. Can you imagine the light going off in his head? I'm going to grab that. I mean, it's unbelievable. Congratulate! It's incredible, and and yeah, I am making light of it because it's 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 a it is a tragedy, but it is I mean goddamn bravery, fucking fought a, beat somebody over the head with a tusk. Nice. He's gonna make headlines. Gonna make headlines as soon as you pick up that tusk. Oh yeah? Are you kidding me? If it, if it was like uh, you know he like grabbed a chair, no one's gonna say shit. But you, I mean, how? Who's got a Norwal tusk lying around? Huh. The English. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, crazy Polish in England. Uh, it's look. That's some. That's some real thinking. That's some real thinking. God bless Lucas, and you know that's a now the Norwal tusk is like twice the value. <laughs> it's crazy. A fucking tusk. I mean, it's like beating someone over the head with an antler. It's a tooth. Yeah, that's right. It's there a you tooth. go. That's uh, knife to knife news. Congratulations. He deserves a, a fine, deserved medal. What can you say? I mean, I, what else is there to say? It's just it's bananas it's bananas yeah. and although fabulous, in, in fabulous. typical fashion the the british newspapers they found out well this guy's passed and he's been in trouble with the law in the past oh, and they're no. trying to they're trying to rip him down and he's just Are like they? Jesus what did he do Christ. what did he I, do i don't i don't read this shit i just see the headlines maybe you know, maybe right, that's so. maybe this is the his norwal his norwal tusk wasn't the first that's not maybe that's the first time he grabbed that norwal tusk <laughs> yeah maybe possibly. he's been like holding people up with it like that's like that's like he maybe that was like second nature to grab the tusk because that's what he does he he yeah. goes after people with the tusk in general you don't like my f hey, you don't like my food yeah I'm gonna give you the tusk <laughs> a quick poke oh yeah. Five foot away. <laughs> yeah he's poking everybody that fucking tusk he's just like uh, the tusk's on the wall being like oh god, I can't have a break oh god he's gonna use me again he's gonna fucking hit me over somebody's head somebody's gonna get stabbed with me that's the Norwal the Norwal Nasher oh jeez jeez.
What is so? What what did they do? What is it like? Is it an immigration thing? I would imagine something like close to that. I'm not sure. I know he's had problems with the law in the past. That's all it said. And I was just like, leave this guy alone. What you know? Crazy. Oh, that's <sighs> so bad. Society is the worst. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Maybe you should have grabbed like a, I don't know, a chair or something. Maybe you should have just like walked away. I don't know. Look, God bless him. He saved people's lives. And now he's getting, you know, all this. Too bad. All right. Here's a, qu- here here's a question for you, Jeff. Something happens go right ahead. outside your shop now. And somebody's getting attacked. What right. do you pick up? What do you pick up and run out with? Um, I'm looking around. I don't know. I'm going to just doing a lot of yelling i guess it, you know I, i'll tell you a funny story <laughs> well i'll tell you a funny story because i have all these lures these fishing lures in my uh giant fishing lures sculptures yeah and the last big show i had i had uh a show at the chappaqua museum in uh, chappaqua library in new york a friend of mine was a curator he's like i'd like you to do a show here yeah well it co it co it uh was the same time as when Hillary Clinton was going to come to do a signing at the Chappaqua Library. So I'd already hung up the lures and they were with hooks and they were giant big hooks and stuff like that. So I had a meeting with the Secret Service. Secret Service came in and they were, you know, these advanced teams come to these places and they interview everybody because, you know, they got to make sure that she's safe and the politicians are safe. And so they were... I had to go around with them in the library. They wanted all the people who were around, like the artist and the curator and like head of security to go around. And he was, they were showing us how if they were to, you know, what, what uh, an attacker would do and stuff like that. And they're, you know, put a book, put a gun in the book. And then they go through the metal detector and then they grab the book and all this stuff. And I'm just like, why am I even here? It's just like, I have no, I have no interest in any of this. So then they come to all the lures, and the and then the two Secret Service agents kind of stare at him for a while, and then they look at me, and they start talking to me about it. And, and I was like, yeah, there's sculpture. And he's just like, yeah, but what those hooks? And I'm like, wow, I mean, you know, they're, you know, what are they going to, what are people going to do? And one of the Secret Service agents goes, if I was, if it was me, I'd grab one of those lures, and I'd run at her, and i hit her over the head with, a, with the lure. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I, that's what they have to do. They have to plan, they have to plan out. Yeah. All these different ways. And I was just like, wow, that seems a little bit far-fetched, don't you think? And he goes, no, that's exactly what I'd do. So I'd grab one of the lures and I'd bludgeon her with it. And I was like, oh, my God. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> so I ended up having to take at least take all the hooks off, which was such yeah. a giant pain in the ass. But, uh, yeah, so I guess I'd grab a giant lure and whack somebody over the head with it, crush, their, crush them with the lure. Nice. There nice. you go. Let's talk about so, one of our sponsors. Yeah. All right, so, A... Listen, where do you get your belts? I get mine from Combat Abrasives. Combat Abrasives makes great belts for any different size grinder. They have uh, these amazing shredder belts. They have uh, very good prices on Scotch-Brite belts and finishing belts uh, for all different applications, for wood, for steel. They got ceramic belts. The shredder belts are really, they're really, really good. So if you go to Combat Abrasives and put in Knife Talk 15, You'll get 15% off your order, and it's worth it. The 15% off, and they had a nice Black Friday sale recently, but the 15%, when you pull, when you peel off that 15%, what happens is, is now you can fool around with something you might not have fooled around with before. So go to Combat Abrasives, put in Knife Talk 15, and get your abrasives. And they also have other things. They got glues, they got epoxies, they have, uh, I think they have... Um, like rouge compound for your buffing stuff, all that stuff. Definitely go check them out. They've been a really good sponsor to us. And uh, there you go, combat abrasives. 
Yeah. And if you haven't used them, particularly their rougher grit stuff, their 36 grits, their 60s, the 80s, the ceramic belts, um, they label them as their shredders, but these things are awesome. Yeah. They, they cut like crazy. They're brilliant. Yeah, they're awesome. I, I really like them very much. Yeah. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? All right. Now we're into our segment where you, the listener, steer the ship. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? This is an opportunity for you to ask us questions, and we'll try to answer them. Um, if you go to Knife Talk Podcast on uh, Instagram, and you can DM us your questions anytime. Usually, I'll throw in like a couple days before we do an episode, but you can always submit a question. And my suggestion would be: I get a message from a guy saying, "You never pick my questions. Your questions are not good. They're either too long, or they don't make sense." Don't put it, you don't have to put in your, you know, like a, a, a little quick story. Be concise, and and usually they'll go in. Sometimes they don't go in. I, I, what can I say? All right, so if the first question comes from Diamond Metalworks, how are the booth builds going for you all? Ah, uh-huh, our sound booths. Right, so, the, you know, a couple episodes ago, we had an incredible, uh, we, we're, we're building new booths to make this show better, and he wants to know how the booths are going. Yeah. What's the update? Well, updates are I'm trapped in a hotel in London, but back uh. at home, I've had some podcasting equipment delivered. Ooh. Um, so I can't wait to get back to test these because then um, Jeff and Mareko will also have the same things turning up on their doorstep. Um, and so that was you know the equipment that we needed. Uh, but with regards to the booth, um, I'm pretty busy at the moment because it's it's holiday season. Um, but I'm taking 10 days off over Christmas, and during that time, I'm building a, a, a sound booth. Um, so when we come back in the new year, my audio will sound far, far better. I know Jeff's doing a similar thing, which I'm sure he'll talk about in just a second. Um, but yeah, it's it's all going to be good. So I haven't had a chance to thank everybody for the for the help and support that they've given us to help make this podcast better. Um, I had this idea for, you know, using our listeners to help us make the thing better. And you all, you just, you you all showed up and it was, it was incredible. So thank you all so much for the help. It's really going to put this podcast in a much, much better place. Um, but yeah, with regards to the booth, mine's going to be happening over Christmas. So you will hear the difference in the new year. And I'm just really excited for it. It's going to, it's going to be a fun build as well. So I think I may even... Um, do a little, a few sort of videos around the build as well, that kind of thing. It's it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, actually, shout out to for me. I'm wait, I'm waiting for the the wood and the acoustic tiles to come. Uh, shout out to Mancrafting. Chad from Mancrafting actually sent me uh, a, a link to a inexpensive heater that doesn't make sound. I need to get ah yeah. There's, I think they're oil filled. They look like old radiators around wheels. They're very inexpensive, and I'm, I'm hoping to get one of those to kind of keep me warm. That'll be good. So. That'll be good because you're going to be fully insulated in there as well, so we'll keep the heat in and well, let's hope nice so. and toasty. Be lovely. Well, well, you know, from your lips to whatever, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's still got a concrete floor, so I don't know. Well, I'll, 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 I'll get it squared away. I'm very looking forward to it. Cool. Cool. The next question is from, I think it's Phi Knight, uh, P-H-Y-N-I-G-H-T. Um, hey, honey buns. Here's a question for you. What's the fastest you've ever made a knife and what's the slowest? It's a good question. I just knocked out a friction folder in four hours. That was pretty quick. 
That does look pretty sweet as well. I like the look I'm of that thing. I'm super pumped about it. It's 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 that one. I was on Friday Friday afternoon. I forged out the blade, and then I uh, I forged the handle, uh, and then I did all the mechanics before I uh, normalized. Then I normalized it. I had my heat treat oven going, so it was ready to roll. Uh, by the time I was finished normalizing, I stuck it in the oven, dropped it in the dropped it in the Parks Fifty, and then I'd already done all the I'd already done drilled all the holes and did all the the fitting before I uh, ground it. Man, it was fast, super fast. That was really fast. And slow, I you know, slow for me is is like I fuck something up and I gotta start over again. You know, so I have a couple on my wall. I have the wall of you know the wall of uh, shame. mistakes. Eh, shame. It's like it's a I all my mis- all my bad mistakes like broken knives. Or I have a I've screwed up the scales four times on the same knife. So I put all of them together and I kind of hung them on the wall. You know, sometimes it takes a long time when you have to you know you're you're your own you're your own problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, fastest, um, I'd say, yeah, probably sort of three, four, five hours maybe. It's always the heat treat that takes the longest for me because I don't forge stuff. It's all stock removal, which is a pretty fast process. But, yeah, it's the heat treat that can that can take the time. Um, slowest, oh, I've got a, <laughs> quite a few on my bench. And funnily enough, um, Sandy from Young Knives asked the other day, how was the Jamie Oliver knife coming on? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's one that I started and haven't <laughs> quite finished. <laughs> so there's a bunch of knives which have been months and months. Um, but it's that thing, you know, whatever pays the bills need to come first. And um, right. yeah, that that one it will be finished. But it's it's I'm in no particular rush for that one. All right, the next one comes from Swift Knives UK. Oh no, my bet, my yeah, Swift Knives UK. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Uh, do you use Loctite when using Corby bolts, or just use them as they are? Ah. Do you do you put anything in your Corby I d- bolts? I dip them in my epoxy um, before I I do them. Um, I do, I I'd imagine that it doesn't do too much because you wouldn't have the sort of torsional strength that Loctite is is made for. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's a good idea. Um, but no, I don't. Well, when really I put the epo- just that when dip. I when I put the epoxy on the scales before I I install the Corby, Corby's, there's enough epoxy that it kind of goes into to it anyway. But yeah, once you cut the tops off, um, and once you cut them flush, there's really no as long as they're tight. And one thing one thing I will say is that when I put the, the Corby's on, I have sheared a few Corby's in my pat, and because I I like the brass, and the reason why I like mm-hmm. the brass Corby's is because the when you sand it, it sands. Like when you grind it and sand it, it sands evenly and grinds evenly like your handle material, or even more, even more even. Because what can happen is um, if you if you if you use something like hardened uh, stainless steel, sometimes it doesn't grind as quickly as you know. Maybe your handle material will grind uh, uh, faster than the, and then you'll get this kind of weirdness. But um, what I've started doing when I put my Corby's together is I actually, I get them finger tight. That means like I don't crank down on them. Then I put the clamp on. I give, I give a twist of the clamp and then I give it, a, I get, that gives you just a little bit more twist um, on the Corby's and I'm just, I want to cinch them up. I want to tighten them to how tight the clamps are. To make sure I'm getting as much as possible, but don't use the Corby's as a vice because yeah. what'll happen is is you rip them out, and if you have to like, 
if they start one side starts spinning like super super easy, all of a sudden you're just like, all right, that, and then you got to pull it out and get it all the shits all over the place. So yeah, so I um, it's a it's something I, I don't like when I do if I get a little bit too handsy. That's a very good point you made about um, using brass corbies. Um, and the difference with stainless Corbys. So um, I was using a material that wasn't... I was on the edge of the thickness, really. You know, I couldn't really do much shaping with it. It was, you know, any thinner would have been too thin. Um, but I'd use um, stainless Corbys, and I'm pretty sure they were hardened too. So by the time you cut off the, the excess and you try to grind it back, you know, you're always very careful not to um, take the handle down too far, cause I say, because this was pretty thin anyway. Um, and I just couldn't get a finish right. on these on these stainless because I'm pretty sure it was hard and stainless too. Just couldn't get the finish without eating into the handle material. Right. Um, so yeah, and then I mean, it domes I, a little bit, and then it, like there's like a you exactly. can feel it. It domes a little bit. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it was just because of these particular Corbys that I had that they maybe been hardened, or whether all stainless Corbys are that way. But I, I'll be trying to stay clear, stay clear of them as much as I can in the future. Definitely. And here's a tip from Jonathan Porter. He used to say to me, "We I did a Instagram uh, live with him uh, like a couple of years ago, and he said the biggest takeaway I can tell you is I don't want to see your 220 scratch marks on those Corbys. Hmm. Don't just keep you know make sure your Corbys are finished sanding. Don't don't leave some scratch marks on them. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Next question um, is from I think it's Maximus Knives. Um, I'm looking into buying. No, it's not. I don't know. I don't no, know who this one's from. I don't know who this one's from. I, I, you know what? Go read it, and I'll tell you in a second. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. He's looking into buying a he or she is looking into buying a two horsepower three phase Baldor motor to attach a disc um, to, but the maximum RPM is 850, and he's unsure if this would be if this would be fast enough. And they say they've tried doing their own research, but um, they keep coming up with the optimal RPM being seventeen twenty-five. But with the seventeen twenty-five motor be on a VFD, um, so at a lower RPM, or is the machine actually being run at seventeen twenty-five? Okay, I lost the fucking guy's name, so I apologize for that. So. so, so- I think what they're trying to say is, could he buy an 850, and if he fitted a VFD, would that then boost it up to 1725? Is, is that what you're saying? I think so. I, You know right. what? This is all Chinese to me. Like, when you start talking amps and volts and RPMs, I'm just like, I just fall asleep. So I actually, for this question, I reached out to Chris Zepp at Make Everything Shop. Now, he is a fucking good dude, and he makes great videos, but he's very shop-oriented, like, and he's he's very handy. He knows how to do, <clears throat> between woodworking and metalworking and everything else, I reached out to Chris. He's a good dude, and this is what he said. <clears throat> he says, you can definitely boost the RPM with a VFD. Uh, and then he gave a couple of the standard VF, uh, the VFD units, the KBAC24 and the KBA. C27 can boost your max RPM, but I'm not sure what the total speed would be. If you think about using a disc grinder with a VFD, nobody that I know runs their VFD at 100% when using a disc grinder, but uh, I use mine at about 50%, so that's about 875 RPM. If there's any amount of unbalance in your disc, uh, a high RPM will make it shake like crazy. Slow is good. 
the two horsepower will be nice for leaning into. So the one, when I use my disc sander, uh, I'm never going, I'm never, the maximum I'm going is maybe 70%. So if that helps, uh, that was a little bit um, far more, that was far more technical than I expected. But Chris Sepp, if you do have questions about that stuff, Chris Sepp is very, uh, is a super helpful guy. Make everything shop. Thanks, buddy. And like you said, he makes great videos. Really, yeah, really well produced. He's got nice. he's got a good voice for this, and he's he's friends with uh, Jimmy Duresta and Paul Pinto and Derek from Malden, who's a new listener of ours. He's a really good dude. There, there. That whole crew is Chris Cash. That is a good dude. That's a good crew of really good guys uh, making YouTube videos. Super helpful. Yeah. Okay. The next one comes from Maximus Knives. What are your thoughts on pre-made Sanmai slash Damascus? I don't have a welder yet, so getting the material to stay put during a forge weld, uh, it'd be a huge challenge. Is it worth buying pre-made Sanmai in Damascus? Um, I have done. Um, well, I've had some from Bob Rankin. I know Jeff uses Bob stuff as well, um, which was beautiful, beautiful stuff. I've never bought um, these sort of pre-made from, you know, some mills are starting to sell it now and some sort right. of steel uh, manufacturers are starting to st- sell it. Um, I haven't used it. I, I think I'd like to because, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that, for example, uh, Fingal, Fingal Ferguson, um, he's using um, some of that stuff and it looks beautiful, especially yeah. some of the stainless Damascus. Um, I'd like to, but geez, it's expensive. They charge by the inch, and you know, for for a chef knife, you could be talking sort of 150 pounds um, just for the raw steel. Yeah. So it's very, very expensive. But um, yeah, I, th- I think I will be soon. I think, and yeah, I see no problem in it. Well, th- see, that's that's the thing that we get to this a lot. Is is uh, is this a? Pro- I think is is it appropriate? Uh, I have been making my own Damascus, and I haven't been using it to sell. So I'm just like still working out, working it out. Um, but I buy my Damascus from Bob Rankin, and and I've he's he's actually sent me a he's he's gotten me a few pieces that it turned out so it, they for I forged a little bit of it. I made a bottle opener one. I made a couple knives out of the other. Uh, they've he's dependable. The most important thing is finding someone that you can depend on. And Bob has been, you know, he's he he has exceeded my expectations in regards to his material. So, um, look, the other thing is, is, and I've said this before, we've all said this before. As long as you're not lying and telling people that you made it, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Is just be look, look. You don't have a welder. If you don't have a welder, and you don't I, it, don't do it. You know, just give you try to do the best possible thing, and you know and. I, I, I see no problem with... I got a piece of uh, San Mai from uh, Isaiah Schroeder a couple years ago, and it was great, and it was awesome, and I made a, a San Mai chef's knife from him. Um, there are a lot of guys who make, you know, but I know for a fact that there are a lot of flea bags who make some bullshit, you know, and just be aware. Find someone that you trust, and then use that person. And in my, my situation, I've only used Bob Rankin. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst we're talking about Damascus, I want to just point out something that I saw this week. Um, one of your buddies, Nick Anger, put up pictures of this knife, this Damascus knife that he'd made. It is incredible. Yeah, have you seen it? It's almost got like spots of Damascus where the rest looks like a mono steel. Looks looks incredible. Well, I believe that he's doing. There's uh, and actually, we have a tip from uh, one of the kings of the. Uh, 
I'm gonna leave it. We got a we got one of the best knife makers in the world who left us a, a tip, and, and it's about canister Damascus, and I think that that's what that is. Right, Nick. Nick, as far as I'm concerned, and I make a lot of jokes about people, artists, not artists. He's the closest thing to a sculptor in the knife making world. He's. I spent a little time with him um, at a at a, a event with Eating Tools. He's such an interesting character. He's he's. He just lives the life of a sculptor. You know, he wakes up and he looks at the steel and he makes the steel's going to tell him what it makes. And he's like, hey, I'll throw this. He's very like, uh, he's very joyous in the way he makes knives. There's no like rhyme or reason. He just likes, all right, well, the steel's going to tell me what it's going to do. And his, he, I find his knives to be, in my opinion, some of the most innovative things in terms of like uh, finding your own voice that there is. I'm a Nick Anger fan all him and jason morrissey and all those guys they're just like they're mind-blowing but what he did i believe what he did was a canister damascus so he had a piece of uh regular uh damascus and then he put it in a can with powdered damascus you know and then he welded all the seams up and then he forge welded all the powder and then that's how he was able to get that look where like the knife is floating in mono steel Hmm. it's beautiful beautiful stuff yeah, he's a he's a funny dude too. He's like, but he's a bananas. He's a he's a bananas. So that I like that too. He's like, a, you know, I I can't tell. I'll tell stories some other time. He's a he's a he's a nut. He's a nutball. Let's try the and get him on one day. Po- yeah, I already. You know what? He's super elusive, and he's I, I already sent him a message, and he just like sometimes he's super super uh, awesome. Like he invited me to this thing, and we had a great conversation. And then other times, it's like it's like that he gets spooked and kind of you know flies off into a you know like his own <laughs> nick anger universe which i Fucking love artists oh dude dude i i mean you know he he's just like yeah i know some days you just know i look at the solstice and then i eat a handful of mushrooms and and then i you know <laughs> he's fantastic he's he's a national resource he's great he's uh he's awesome guy. i like the fact that he's out in the world great guy smart smart as hell but bananas my favorite <laughs> he's my favorite all right uh, this one comes from oh did i jump on uh, all right well do you want to take this one no, or? You, you do it you do it. it's right. fine daigle knives hey cuties i have a question i was wondering if craig could go into more detail about his new mini cnc machine uh has he noticed any limitations in what materials the machine can handle uh, these all advertise that they can mill plastics but the g10 micarta we use can be a hell on can be hell on tooling Thanks, and keep up the good content. Okay. Um, it's, it's it's very generic. It's If you go on uh, Amazon, eBay, or any of the, you know, those big retailers that they ship stuff in, um, it's the 3040 CNC, um, and that, that basically equates to the size. So we'll do 30 centimeters by 40 centimeters. That's the bed of the CNC. Um, there's... The, there's hundreds of makers, and I'm pretty sure they all come from the same Chinese factory. They all just slap a badge on them. They all look exactly the same. Um, there, I've noticed there are two different versions. There's there's the 3040 Pro, which is the one that I have, and there's a 3040T. Uh, the difference is the Pro has an external um, speed, uh, variable speed thing. It's not quite a VFD, but it, it does sort of change the, the spindle um, speed. Um, and that's the one that I have. Um, and with regards to uh, limitations, it's done everything that I've asked of it so far. So the whole point of getting this little mini CNC is that I can cut out 
handles um, ready for a, a new chef knife that I've got coming out in January. So it's going to be using the recycled water bottle material that I've talked about in the past. So the idea is I just want to get as many of them cut out as possible ready. Um, so when the, the knives have been ground, I'm ready to go. I can just get these out quickly. Um, so what I'm doing is um, it's cutting through the um, G10 for me as well. So I'm sticking it. I use a very small layer of G10. So it's just a one millimeter G10 sheet, um, which I um, attach to or rather um, epoxy to my my handle material, which is the water bottle material. Right. Um, and then I just use the CNC to do the cutouts of the, the exact handle shape. So when it does come to fitting up onto the uh, blade, um, there's very little to excess to take off. You know, it, it's basically cut to size. I've got like half a millimeter all the way around. So it's just a quick smooth around, polish up the spine, polish up the underside, and they're pretty much done, ready for shaping. Um, so it's cutting through that. It's cutting through that G10 and that six millimeter or well, 6.5 millimeter um, plastic material. Um, it's also doing my holes, my my holes for my corbies, so those stepped holes. It's doing that nicely as well, um, and I can just leave it to do you know ten pairs of, of handles um, in about maybe sort of twenty twenty five minutes. Put a new sheet on; it'll do another ten pairs. Um, it's been incredible. It's been reliable. Um, it, it took me a little while to get used to it, and you know, setting the correct speeds and so on. But once you got everything dialed in. It'll just keep on doing its thing, huh. um, and I'm I'm still using the same tools that it came with, with regards to cutting tools, um, and it's been completely fine. So, it's it's for me, it was one of those weird sort of um, purchases where it's just like I was doing it more to learn something new, because um, all my sort of drawings that I do on on screen, everything's all in two D. And I was thinking, I'd like to try 3D stuff, so let, let's get a, a cheap CNC just to see how it would work. Um, but it, it's become part of my my workflow now. It, it just cuts my handle materials ready. So I've got a big stack now, probably 60, 70 handle materials ready. As soon as the blades huh. are done, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, I'd completely, completely recommend it. it. It depends what kind of maker you are. Um, for me, I want to get be doing... Uh, as much as a sort of, I wouldn't say assembly line, but I just want to get numbers out there as quickly as I can. And th- this helps because it's, I'm sort of, the way I look at it, I'm outsourcing the dumb work. You know, shaping a handle before it goes onto a blade is simple. You know, you get a marker pen and you draw around your handle material and you've got a line to grind up to. It, it's simple, but it, it can take a bit of time. Right. So this just takes that away from me. So it's, it, you know, it, it's the unskilled stuff, which I'm outsourcing to, and I made this joke in the past, but, you know, this is my first employee, but, you know, it doesn't take toilet breaks. It's not on Instagram all day. It'll just right. keep doing what I tell it and just throw it a biscuit every now and again. It, it works <laughs> well. So I, I would recommend it. So I say mine is the 3040 Pro. Um, and if you just put that into Amazon, eBay, uh, you know, one of these Chinese sites that everybody seems to be using these days, you'll find a million of them. And I'm pretty much pretty sure they're all the same thing, made in the same factory. And um, just be aware, because uh, sorry for interrupting, but I sure. talked to the guys at Bantam Tools, and they're like, ah, G10 might uh might choke everything out. Like the thicker the G10, there a lot of these guys are just like, you know, it's going to sound like the small mill, a small some of the small tabletop mills are not meant for G10. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure if I was using you know five mil, six mil G10, it, it wouldn't cope well. 
Right. You know, and not to mention that the mess that it would make. So um, it's something I need to do, actually, is build a little enclosure for it because it's very open and exposed. It sends chips everywhere. Um, but because, you know, these these, these are pretty cheap. That I think the the worst part about these is the all the wiring and stuff that runs to all the stepper motors. Everything is just completely exposed and it's tiny, thin wires. So it's, it's very delicate. So you just need to be careful that you're... You know, put it somewhere in a corner, somewhere safe, where you're not going to be into contact with it much, um, because I think that's the first thing that will fail: the wiring on these things. Um, and they seem to be run just by an Arduino. Um, they're all running something called Gerbil, which runs on an Arduino. Um, so you know, parts are replaceable pretty easily. But yeah, they're, they're very. Uh, I wouldn't say they're sort of production ready because they're, they're very delicate with regards to exposed wires, that kind of thing. But um completely recommend one all right there you go so let's talk about another one of our sponsors which is indasa usa and you may think indasa who the hell are indasa well they make the best sandpaper possible they make rhino wet which i'm a big fan of jeff's a big fan of Morocco's a big fan of a lot of our listeners are big fans of rhino wet is simply the best sandpaper that you can get for you know, hand sanding your steel. It's it's just incredible. It's it works very efficiently. You've got less waste. Um, it just works a lot quicker than other stuff. It's incredible. We love the stuff. So Indasa USA, they're Indasa USA on Instagram. Go and have a look at their products. They do lots of other stuff as well. Rhino Wet is my favorite. They also do Rhino Dry and you know White Line, all these different kind of things. Um, but if you're not using Rhino Wet, give them a try. And the best place to find Rhino Wet is Texas Farrier Supply because we've got a discount for you. But first of all, let me tell you about Texas Farrier Supply. So they don't just supply stuff for farriers. They've got a whole section for knife makers where they've got they've got abrasives, they've got lots of tooling, all that kind of stuff. But they also sell Rhino Wet. And if you use the promo code KNIFETALK10, you're going to get 10% off your full order. Not just Rhino Wet, your full order. So go take a look. They've got some stuff that you wouldn't really expect to see on maybe other knife, uh, knife makers supplies uh, websites. They've got some really interesting stuff. So go take a look. TexasFarriersupply.com and remember to use Knife Talk 10. And they have the they have the dyes. They have the <clears throat> epoxy dyes. Hmm. Like everyone asks you where you get it. You go to get some epoxy dyes from them. And Adasa USA, thank you for the four sleeves of masking tape. They sent me. <laughs> <clears throat> thank you. I have more masking tape than I'll ever know what to do with. Thank you well, very much. Nice. Hey, you, you know what you should do? <laughs> let's, let's talk about some tips, some, some viewer tips, some of you are sent in tips, and it's always good to see these because we learn a lot from these. And the first one is from Derek from Malden. And he says he's got a neo, neodymium magnet wrapped in a rag in his grinder bucket, and he has it on a string so he can pull it out and it clears all those iron filings out of the bucket. He also puts a couple of drops of bleach in the water to keep the nastiness out. Ah, I included that because that was that your original tip was you put a magnet on the side of your bucket, and I thought this was good if you don't have a metal bucket. Yeah, yeah, and to be honest, a metal bucket isn't the best because they rust. Um, so yeah, a plastic bucket and put a magnet in is probably a really good call. Mm. Um, regards to the bleach, never tried that. I, don't know he, I, I asked about that. He's just like, ah, you know. Something was growing in there. I had to. I had to stop <laughs> oh, that. Geez. I had to stop. I had to stop with that. I, I had to stop all that. Whatever. It was. I dropped a few 
bleaching year and get out of here. Jesus. Change your water, Derek. Jeez. All right. There you go. Derek from Malden. Good dude. All right. So I got, I got a, I got a tip from one of the best hammer makers in the, in the country, United States, Jacob Farum, Farum Forge. He says, uh, you know, uh, I don't have much that comes to mind other than my main thing. That's having a clean shop, clean, organized shops with clean, well-maintained tools induces clean work. For me, it's very important and plays a huge role in the overall outcome of the day. If I start things out fresh and clean in the shop. Now, you might say, okay, keep your shop clean. If you look at the way Jake Farum forges, it's like immaculate. It's a, his, his work, his forgings are incredibly immaculate. I have a couple of his hammers and I look at them and I'm like, I don't even know how he does it. And part of it is because he's very fastidious in his shop and if he comes in a shop you got a clean shop he can do clean work so yeah ferrum forge nice. is amazing so yeah what what's your regime jeff do you clean up the end of each day or well, the start of each morning or you just wait until it gets disgusting <laughs> then clean it all up what's your thing i it's funny because i my last the last metal shop i was in was we it was such a high production shop that we were constantly just like pump pump pumping stuff out so the shop was always a disaster and we'd clean once in a while and i try i try my hardest to keep the shop clean but when i'm in the midst it mm. you know shit goes everywhere so quick it's so amazing how fast things turn in, into a dump so i actually cleaned up right before thanksgiving and then I'm looking at I'm looking at the shop right now and it is a shithole. So I, I, I need to like it all depends on what I'm doing and I try to give myself a, like at least a couple hours per week to you know straighten up and I do feel better. I do work better when the place is super clean. But yeah. I fuck I, I fuck this shit up so fast. It's like I don't even know what I'm like, how did I do that? Like it's like a, <laughs> it's like a tornado came through. I I don't even know how it happens. Yeah, I, I tend to do things because um, I work in sort of batches. I do, you know, a big batch for one customer and another batch for another customer. So what I tend to do is completely clean down the decks when I start a new batch. Um, and then it's just it just gets worse and worse and worse. So I finish right. that batch, then clear the decks again, um, mainly because you sort of get into some sort of flow. You know, when once you start, you're like, well, I'm not going to stop now and, and tidy up. I, you know, I'm in the midst of it, you know, and you, you've got, yeah. your blood's pumping, you, you just keep going. So, yeah, I, I need to be tidier. Um, and particularly for me, because my, my shop is in my house. I can literally walk out of my shop and I'm, you know, I, I, well, I'm in the utility room, but then I can go into the kitchen and so on. So... It's easy for for us to sort of just dump stuff in the shop sometimes, right. you know, where I'm doing, maybe yeah. I'm doing a bit of DIY in the house because we're renovating a house at the same time. It's easy for me to just come in and dump stuff straight on the bench and, oh, I need to get better. I think we all yeah. do. We all need to get better at tidying. That's it. That's it. The next one is from Dave Irvin underscore Evader Knives. Wow, it's a hell of a name. I got a tip in case no one has said it. He says, buy Clorox disinfecting wipes and use on your respirator two times a week but leave overnight to air out oh. I should do that because my respirator looks like uh, looks like something in Derek Malden's Derek from Malden's water bucket <laughs> <laughs> I give it a wipe out and then I hit it with the and I, and I look and I'm like what is going on what is going on with my life I'll start doing that 
disinfectant wipes. So, so what, what's that on? That's on the, the the nose part and all that kind of stuff, is that? Yeah, the whole thing. I, I think wherever your gotcha. mouth and nose are breathing, one of the bullshits coming out of your face, it's, it goes in there. So not, not, not nice looking. Oh, yeah, you have one of those the space helmets, so you don't get to see that. But you get to breathe in your own bad breath, so congratulations. Yeah. All right. Well, well I don't because it. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't have bad breath. But secondly, yeah. Yeah. it's it's got that air screen, you know, so it, it it flows air across the top, so the air just yeah, it's always fresh air on your face. Which is After nice. that hot pork donut you ate, I'm sure that wasn't <laughs> so great. <laughs> All right, so the next one comes from our friend Paul Pinto. Um, he What he does is when he's using a file, he rubs a file with soapstone, and it acts as a lubricant so your file doesn't get clogged up with metal shavings. Ah, I've seen that's Jeremy, Simple Little Life, do something very similar with chalk on, it, yeah, on his files. That's a good move. It's a, mm. That's a good move. It keeps it from getting gunked up. Yeah, and I think when you're making those first cuts as well, you don't have a really rough, rough file you know it's a bit more gentle and once you've made your grooves you can then get in and nice i like that one well this one you're gonna you get to read this one this one's serious from steve schwarzer the number one master blades but i think he was one of the one of the he's still one of the first guys to make master blades but he's like he's abs royalty here we go i've just read the last sentence and it's very zen very yeah. zen so, there has been an ongoing conversation about flux. No flux dry weld. In my opinion, they all have one thing in common. Lack of oxygen. So, canister or ground-in dry weld that is tacked or borax all do the same thing. They all exclude oxygen. It doesn't make your technique superior using any of the above methods. The same method works on almost any fusible material, including mokumi, titanium, or any of the fusible reactive metals, they all have one thing in common, which is oxygen will contaminate the bonding surface. I see why you've got me reading this one. (laughs) So some fluxes eat the oxygen, others exclude it. Some of the patented fluxes contain things that contaminate the weld. It shows up after etching as little black spots in steel. So the argument is not how, but why. Yeah. So we talk about when we talk, I mean, it's too bad Mareko's not here for this one. But when we talk about making Damascus, we're talking about uh, the your, your forge welding. And a lot of people do what's called dry welding, where your your uh, your forge uh, is uh, is fuel rich. And, it, and, you know, they kind of like get rid of the oxygen because the oxygen will make the steel uh, scale. You know, you're, that's why you have scales. The carbon is kind of coming to the outsides. And what happens is that scale, that flaky scale, will turn into a, um, uh, a delamination, for the most part, in your forge welding. So he talks about how, you know, you don't have to throw borax in it. And you can do it. He, a lot of guys do dry welding, and it's based on, you know, the amount of oxygen you've removed from the welding surface. But he's a super, 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 super smart guy and a really supportive of a lot of the, you young guys. And it's uh, it's really cool that he, that he uh, pitched that one in. Hmm. Another one from Make Everything Shop. I like this one. The way, the way he's written on two lines. So don't grab the steel when it is still hot. I'm going to back this whole story up. Because the next question is going to be is is part of what happened. So <clears throat> Chris Zepp was uh, at an uh, an event in Long Island, 
with John Ariani and Cliff Dufton and I think Jimmy Jimmy Duresta and and was there and Paul Pinto was there and and Chris Cash and and they were forging <clears throat> they were forging some wedges for a guy's power hammer die. So a lot of power hammers, the way the dies are affixed to the hammer is with wedges. So the wedges allow you also to kind of move the um, the 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 dies front and back to how they're put in. But you use wedges, and a lot of times, sometimes you know all dies aren't made equally. So sometimes you have to use shims and stuff like that. So Cliff was making um, a wedge for this guy. And Chris was trying to help him, and he grabbed a hot wedge, and he fucked his hand up. He fucked his hand up so bad. It was like, I mean, I, I never saw a burn as bad as, as Chris's. It was really bad. So the joke I've had with Chris a lot of the times is I always, anytime uh, Cliff comes up or we have a hammer, and I say, hey, you should, you should come up. You should come up. Cliff's going to be here. You can burn your hand again. You know, so, so um, yeah, don't. Ever, assume everything. Assume everything's hot. I mean, I burn. I picked up hot shit all the time. You know, the the smart thing to do is, you know, when something's hot, leave it on the ground. Like, don't put it. You know, don't leave it somewhere somebody can pick it up. And I try, 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 try to when I when I'm about to grab something up, I give it a pat with the back of my hand just to make sure that it's not super super hot. And that leads us to a really good tip from the. Uh, with a co-conspirator of that uh, Don't Grab Hot Steals, Cliff Dufton. Cliff Dufton wrote me this great uh, tip, and he says, it's a bandsaw chopstick trick. He says, it helps for cutting short pieces as well as irregular dimensions. Example, the forged piece, let's say it's two inches and some weird fraction. Instead of finding little shim pieces... Putting a... uh, So, all right, so if you have a small piece of steel that... Is it, you know your chop saw or your bandsaw when you put it in the clamp? Sometimes if it's too short, the the uh, the adjustable one will be on a pivot and it'll it'll and it yeah. won't grab. It won't grab it. So what he said is, um, you take uh, you create these. Uh, let me. I'm going to try to read it. Uh, instead of finding little shim pieces, use a coupling nut and a bolt. And it makes it a, a fine adjustment so the chopsticks can be parallel. So he's got two pieces of steel the same size, and then one's on the outside of the clamp and one's on the adjustable side, and then he puts his small piece in, and then he uses a coupler and a bolt to kind of tighten the back end up so it's so those two pieces of steel are pinching that mm. irregular shape. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then uh, you're creating like a secondary vice that holds it it together. So, so what you're doing is you're using um, a bolt and a coupler. Do you know what a coupler is? No, no, but it's 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 going to attach the bolt. I assume to bring bring everything in. It's a long nut. So (laughs) if, if you know, so you go to the store and you said, "Hey, man, I need to get me a bolt and a couple long nuts." You know, and then you have a handful of long nuts, and then what you could do is you can adjust the bolt, and you just take a wrench, because you gotta adjust your nuts, you gotta adjust the long nuts, and then you're, you're, you're twisting it open, and then it kind of like, it, it, it jacks the other end up. Yeah. So you get yourself a bolt, get yourself some long nuts, and then you get yourself squared away, and then you have a nice uh, way to cut irregular pieces without having to be wasteful. 
It's all in the nuts. That's right. Use adjustable long nuts. Have yourself some long nuts. We got beef. So we're preparing for an all-beef special. So we did it last year. I think we did it around about New Year last year. Right. Where we did a show where it was just beefs from you lot because you seem to enjoy us talking about our beefs and you've got some serious beefs too, so you were sending them through. So we're asking for more, ready for our all-beef review of 2019. Um, so send them through to us. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Don't send them through to our personal accounts because everything just gets mixed up and it's a yeah. real pain. Real pain. So, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Send us your beefs. Right. And then here's a taste. Here's a taste of some beef. This one comes from our friend Ashley Childs, who's coming down to the shop. We're going to do an interview with her. She says, I got beef. Please put your tools back in their place. Don't be a tool bag and put them somewhere unfindable for the next bloke. They have a place for a reason. This is for all those who work in a, la- a large shop. And there's five more people. Insert your eye roll here. Big hugs, gentlemen. Yeah, so, yeah, putting shit... I, I, sometimes, I'll look for something that I know that I didn't put away, and I'm like, where the... What the fuck is wrong? Where did I do? What did I do with it? Where could it possibly be? Yeah, I can only imagine what that's like with other people. So. Yeah. I find that in the kitchen, where, you know, I've got my stuff where I need it to be in the kitchen, and if it's not there, I just lose my shit. I'm just like... Yeah. <laughs> Calm yourself, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't imagine working in a shop with a bunch of other people sharing tools. That would just be the worst for me. Do you know what I think that is? I think that is is you're doing the best that you can and something is in your way from your success and you get angry. Mm. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Like, let's say my dogs don't want to walk or I get frustrated that something is out of my control and I don't deal well with that. And then mm. I can imagine when something is not where it's supposed to be, and it is hampering your ability to, to succeed at something, I think it drives you fucking mad. I think it's like, it's like, it's almost like you're resentful of the fact that you're being, uh, it's a speed bump in your, in, in what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, fucking yeah. annoying. Community showcase. All right. Well, this is the time where we're going to do community showcase. This is where we give a little bit of love to someone in the, in the knife making world and, once we get our phones squared away, we're going to be able to do a lot more of that. And then uh, we're going to be able to have some of you motherfuckers on. Some of you who, are, who, who want to come on, maybe you better, you know, slow your roll a little bit. Because I get some messages from some people who are just like, you need to have me on. Ah, I think you're wrong about that. <laughs> just, I think it's, you know. go down, it's going to go down better if people say you should have so-and-so on or x on as opposed to you should have me on one guy said let other people decide whether you should be on i think one guy said all right let's talk i know you want me on i'm ready (laughs) i'm ready for you i'm gonna anoint you i'm gonna anoint the show with me it's like yeah don't respond was that josh scott i bet it was (sighs) (laughs) he's a good guy i I make a lot of jokes about i make a lot of jokes about josh scott he's a very supportive good guy i have nothing yeah. but love for josh scott even though i call him a googly eye fuck <laughs> it's fine he's a wonderful wonderful young man yes he makes go. beautiful knives too yeah yeah and he looks and he and he got a beard on him it makes him look like he's older than me so i don't understand <laughs> that but fine i'm with you so let's talk community showcase um i'm going to talk about black lotus knives who i discovered quite recently um on instagram 
um, Australian, and some of the knives coming out of Australia that I'm seeing are just incredible. There's some crazy skill going on there. Um, but he does these beautiful, beautiful knives there, integrals, and he does some with, you know, you know Japanese sort of war-style handles to, to them. Um, but he has this amazing contrast to his Damascus. Um, it's, it's a real sort of black and white contrast. It's, it's incredible. Um, but he also does great photography of his knives. So go take a look at his Instagram. It's Black Lotus Knives. Um, he just presents his knives in such a beautiful way. Um, and the lighting's perfect. It's, yeah, the knives look incredible. The photography's incredible. It's definitely worth a follow. So go and take a look at Black Lotus Knives. That sounds good. Those Australians, man, it's it's, it's something in the water over there because yeah. it's it's uh, between Oatley and, and Will Morrison, all those guys out there, uh, our buddy D, who you uh, you interviewed, uh, the, all... Uh, it's um, Dimitri Popoff. He's unbelievable mm. too. Um, so I got a message from a guy, from a listener who his name is Andrew Erisman, who said, "Are you guys familiar with Jay Fisher knives? He makes some amazing stuff, and he doesn't have a lot of followers." So I looked up Jay Fisher knives, and he really does make beautiful knives. He does photography too. He's uh, incredibly impressive. Uh, I like now. I'm going to start to do more. If you send me uh, people you think we should uh, do a community showcase, I'm happy to you know put them up. So uh, thanks, Andrew, for introducing me to Jay Fisher Knives. He is really, really talented, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Jay Fisher Knives on Instagram. Well, I'm just looking now, actually. It, yeah, lovely. Beautiful handle materials that he's using. Yeah, yeah. does a nice very, job. Very nice. Real nice job. Yeah, very nice. Okay, have we got any beefs this week? Of course. I think you got the biggest beef. (laughs) I'll start with my beef then. Okay. My beef is Paris. The place, Paris. So it's it's always on the list of, you know, top places to go. You know, New York, Paris, London. Um every time I've been to Paris, it's just a shit tip. It's just horrible. It's meant to be (laughs) this place of beautiful romance. It's it's rough as hell. It's it's not a safe place to walk, particularly at night what? on your own. It's not nice. It's not nice. There's there's certain areas around the sort of Champs Elysees and so on, which you know it's 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 just for tourists, really. You know, okay, they got some nice restaurants there, that kind of thing. Crazily overpriced. Um, the place smells a little bit. It's dirty. There's rats. It's it's not what it's, it's made out to be. So, yeah, Paris. And I think that makes me a true Frenchman now, if I'm beefing on Paris. Because is that, the rest is that of the France... F- the rest of France hate Parisians. So really? I think, I think I'm now a true Frenchman. Frenchman, But um, they've got this arrogance, too, as if, aha, we're Parisian. Aha, we're, we're the elite. Ugh, no, 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 no. The, the place, is, it's, it's not nice. It's not welcoming. It's it's not a nice place. And, you know, I, I'm here in London at the moment, and... I much prefer London. People are far more friendly. <laughs> I can speak the language, which helps. <laughs> the French but, speak. Uh, the French speaking. I mean, the, per, per, I was in Paris last time. Everyone spoke English. The Paris, they do. The Parisians do. But yeah, they've certainly. I don't know. It's. It just doesn't seem as welcoming, and it's, it isn't. You know, there's some pretty areas, but they're set up, I think, for the tourists. The majority of Paris is pretty rough, and it's not a, a nice place to be. Certainly not on your own. So Paris, yeah. you're my beef. Paris has got a, but you need a little bit of, you need a little bit of sleaze. You know, a little bit of peril and sleaze makes life all that. I, last time we were in Paris, we had such a great time. 
I will say that the subway system in Paris is probably the best subway system around. I mean, you can get anywhere, literally anywhere in Paris. Mm. And I'm convinced I was on the subways in Paris, the subways in New York, and the subways in, in England. I was telling my wife, I bet I could tell, if you blindfolded me, I bet I could tell which subway, which country subway I, I was on because the French subway smells like B.O. These motherfuckers, <laughs> I mean, they make a lot of jokes that there, there's about, it is, I, I never in my life, smell more armpits than yeah. in Paris. It was Paris in August, so it smells like like a lot of wee-wee and body odor. So those motherfuckers... Wee-wee-wee. <laughs> a lot of wee-wee-wee. And, <laughs> and the best part was we were leaving Paris to go to the airport, and we were walking down the street, and there was a homeless guy in front of us, and he had a whole... His whole butt was ripped... His, the butt of his pants were ripped open, so his ass was like... Slapping around while we, I mean, he was a pretty cl- style. He was a pretty clean homeless guy, but he had my wife. My daughter was just like, "Did he not have any? He got a rip in his pants." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he he got a rip in his pants." You can see his whole situation. That's that is a Paris situation. But I tell uh, you, if we're talking public transport systems, we you know, we couldn't get more boring. But in Switzerland, it is incredible. You you can set your clock by the trains they come you know within 10 seconds every single train every single time they're clean that it's it's incredible well that one goes out to you peter peter s who's uh I, I he was a, a swiss guy that hey we had a class in uh at florentine kitchen knives and he was telling me how you could eat off the floors in switzerland i'm like yeah maybe mm. a, maybe not maybe you should use a plate don't worry so much about the floor so much it is a beautiful, beautiful place. What What's your beef, Jeff? Well, it's, you know, the funny thing is, is I've been, for some reason, for the past, like, nine months, I've been getting these weird phone calls in, like, an Asian voice. I want to make the voice bad, but I, I'm, I'm not I'm not that distasteful. And I thought, when you say right, well, When you say weird phone calls, these, like, why you wearing? Why you no, wearing, Jeffrey? <laughs> no, no, they're, they're, no, no, it's, it's someone calling, and then there's, like, a little bring, and then there's... Obviously, an ang- Asian language being spoken, and it's and then s- somewhere it says J uh, J P Morgan Chase, and I'm like on this robocall with this Chinese bank, and I started getting them a lot. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I getting this like you know Asian uh, these Asian uh, robocalls? And I was listening to Howard Stern uh, a couple weeks ago. And he was saying that he was saying the same thing. Pardon. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <about Easy>. <laughs> sorry about that. I got, I got burpee. So, <laughs> so, um, he was saying that, that he got the same thing. And someone said that there, it's a scam. It's this, it's this robo scam where they're, they're looking for, uh, Asian, I, I guess Chinese, Chinese speaking immigrants who are very like, um, I guess that they're uh, susceptible to, you know, uh, these phone calls. And it's a it's like a giant network of like these robocall scams. I get about I get about five a day and they're for all over. And then all, they're from all over the place. Is so, this on your cell phone or a landline? Yeah, on my cell phone. I don't have oh. a landline. Who has a landline? What do you do that for? What, yeah. so I can get more robocalls? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know. So uh, yeah, it's it's really annoying. But now that I know that they're it's like criminal, it's just like even more annoying. So 
I've been, I'm kind of like irritated. I'll stop, you know, I'll stop my work. The phone, when the phone rings, generally speaking, I always think something's wrong. Like Mm -hmm. I'm convinced, or if I'm listening to on the Bluetooth, I'm grinding and I'm listening on the Bluetooth, so I'm listening to whatever. I stop to pick up the phone and it's like, and I want, I want, I want to do the, I want to do my impression of what it sounds like, but I'm not, I'm not that much of a piece of garbage that I'm going to insult whoever so i want I to I, I really want to no no, no. I, the way i would do it the way i would do it would be a lot worse you know it would sound like you know no 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 it's not hey jeff no. hey jeff why are you wearing <laughs> no no it's not it's not sexy talk it's kind of like sounds like uh you know banging and clanging and, and oh, you know oh. noises you know get down the street i i don't know but I, it's uh i I, I like the fact that you think that I'm getting like sex calls. I'm not getting sex calls. I'm getting these, 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 you know, these Asian people who think I'm gonna like, you know, get in on their scam. Uh, so that's a really annoying. I'm, I'm tired of getting those. I get, the, I get five a day. It's annoying. And you can't. And they're all from all over the place. Like the numbers different every single time. So uh, like I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm in trouble from all over the place. And then all of a sudden I hear it's like you know. I don't want to. I want to do it. I want to do it, but I, Come I can't. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to fall for your trap. I'm not going to do a do a, a a distasteful Asian accent just to 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 to. Uh, I'm not doing it. So, but that's what I don't like, and it's annoying. You're too politically mother- correct, Jeff. That's your problem. No, but I mean, you know, it's like it gets to the point where it gets to the point where it's so hacky. It's hacky to do that shit. I'm not, it's just like you know what? I'm not going to go down that road, but I want to. In my heart, I'm doing it, but on this podcast, I'm not. So there you're going to be are. walking around the shop all day today doing this, <laughs> this crazy accent to yourself. Yeah, it just sounds like you know, like. It's, yeah, you know what? Yeah, guys, just so whatever you think it sounds like, that's what it sounds like. See, there you go. Theater of the mind. Figure it out for yourself, you fucking guys. So that's beef. So remember, send us your beefs ready for the all beef review, which we'll be doing around about New Year time. Um, as I say, it's Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you're following us too, as well. So it's it's Fader Knives on Instagram, and I'm Chop Knives on on Instagram. Anything podcast related, really send it to the podcast accounts. Remember and Mareko nice... Momasi, Momasi Firearms. Of course, Follow of him course, too. of course. He'll be back, well, maybe next week doing a solo show with a special guest. Right. Um, but remember, there's knifetalk.net with all previous 103 episodes. Um, there's the forum, so if you've got any questions, hopefully forum members can help you out. Um, we've got like a buyer's guide on there. There's plenty on the website, so go take a look. Support our sponsors. They help us. Um, and also, they're giving you deals, too. You know, we're, we're trying to get money off of you guys. So support the sponsors. Um, and we shall speak to you again very, very soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.